uh, oh, me. So he mentioned the carnivore stuff. So me and John are like completely different. And so that's kind of like why we like talking and like the concept of the podcast is get kind of two perspectives. Um, but he's doing carnivore month right now and I'm more plant-based and we talked about that in, in Mexico. Um, Opposite uh, ends of the spectrum. Yes. Oh, and yeah. he hunts and I like ride hoverboards and <laughs> we just had a nice argument. Oh, about hoverboards. we, we argue like a, a married couple. It's really, it's really bad. He's it's, the female in the relationship. Yeah. But except, it makes for a good podcast, though. Except from the bedroom, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was pretty good. All right. Um, so, Chef Bay. Yeah, what's I up? love that yeah. name, too, Chef Bay. It works Thanks. out, doesn't it? Yeah. So, uh, Chef Bay, uh, Courtney, my girlfriend, and I met you and your husband in Tulum yes. uh, on our last day. And um, we were drinking at the bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, we realized that y'all, you two were vegan and, you know, we, we vibe with that. Me and Courtney have been off and on vegan for a while. We know, we know the swing of things. Stress the off part. Off and on. Yeah. yeah, I've been experimenting a little bit, but ultimately getting back to things <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. I've been, I was like, the, I think we told you last time, I was like the strictest vegan you could possibly be. And then I got mm-hmm. a little relaxed in vegetarianism as, as you do. Um, but anyways, we met, um, we met you two and then you had mentioned that you, uh, were a vegan chef and we, and we loved y'all by the way, y'all are a cute couple and all that. That was um, a fun night. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and, uh, I like, uh, your husband as well. He's, he's pretty funny. Um, yeah. but you'd mentioned you, uh, wrote a book too, uh, on, um, uh, you got, you got the book. What that's is it a, called? Cook health, go vegan. That Cook is totally a look. Hell. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks. That looks really good. So I wanted you to introduce yourself and like uh, what you've been doing, you know, like your, 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 uh, your classes that you used to do in person, you might be doing now Then you're doing them online and then the cookbook and just y'all's lifestyle, uh, kind of just a little summary. Yeah, no problem. So I'm a classically French trained chef. So I went to Le Cordon Bleu and worked and lived in San Francisco for a long time and worked under some of like the best like French culinary chefs. And then I turned vegan and now I'm a vegan chef. So I basically have experienced polar opposites. I come from a line of chefs and butchers. Like my great grandfather was a butcher. My grandfather was a butcher. Um, so I'm like the exact opposite of everybody that's come before me for the most part. Um, but yeah, now I'm a cookbook author, a, which was an Amazon bestseller, which is pretty exciting. And, um, yeah, I host a podcast too. It's called the plant remedy and, um, yeah, I'm a teacher and a private chef. And I just kind of like anything that has anything to do with food or help helping people heal from food is what I'm all about. I, I've worked with thousands of people helping them reverse things like type two diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, cholesterol, PCOS. I personally have endometriosis. And so that's kind of like where my vegan journey started because I tried everything else. And like, I just could not get the inflammation in my body out. And like, as a French trained chef, the last thing I wanted to do was give up like duck confit and like brie and gruyere cheese, all these things that I think that I like needed to be like a whole person. Um, but once I like kind of got rid of that attachment and my body just started to like completely change and be different than I had ever experienced. And, uh, yeah, so it changed and saved my life. And after that, I was like, there's something to this. So I started really studying nutrition and learning under people like T. Colin Campbell and Dr. 
Dr. Michael Greger, and some of the people who have kind of like paved the way for the science behind plant-based food um, and just like the healing power behind it all. And um, yeah, now I'm just doing my thing, doing what I'm doing. I got a book deal um, in the middle of the pandemic. It was like, thank God, you know, this book deal just got plopped in my lap and I was just like, you know, so ready to just get it all out into the world. And um, yeah, I think there's this, I think people are scared of veganism because they're afraid that it's going to be limiting. Like it's going to limit what they can eat. And I found that like eating an omnivore, more carnivore based diet is more limiting because with a plant-based diet, you can eat like 10,000 edible plants where when you're eating animal-based products, there's only like a handful of things that you just eat over and over and over and over again. So as a chef, it's just made me such a better chef. It's made me more creative. Um, and I just like have more compassion for myself, for the world around me and all that stuff. And I'm learning and growing every day too. I feel like I'm a forever student when it comes to nutrition and science and all this stuff, because it's growing and changing all the time. And I think the layers are being uncovered of our food industry and chemicals in our food and like beyond just plant-based versus non-plant-based, just like all the toxicities that are in our life that are causing like billions of people around the world to be chronically sick. So yeah, that's the short version. <laughs> that's that's a very good summary. I couldn't ask for anything better. That was a good podcast. Yeah. Appreciate, yeah, right, Appreciate cool. you coming Thanks, on. <laughs> so I wanted to start probably on your book because, uh, mm -hmm. Are, were you a writer before? Did Was this already written and then you got the deal or did they give you a deal and they worked with you to write the book? How'd that work? Yeah. So, I mean, it's so funny because I was a horrible student in school and the only, the only class that I ever did good at was English because it was just like, it flowed for me. I was like good at writing. It was easy. I'm telling you, I had a 1.7 GPA graduating Ooh, high school. Dang. It was not my thing. I was like, I'm not going to follow what everyone else is doing, uh, which is why I think veganism works for me too. But yeah, I, uh, I used to work and cook on retreats for New York times bestselling authors. And so they'd like get together on these retreats and talk about their next, you know, bestselling book and like kind of write them together. So I got a lot of inspiration from just being around these highly successful authors and it just like got implanted in me really early that I like really wanted to eventually one day write a book, but at the time I was, that was way before I was plant-based and I was going through such an aggressive like healing journey. And I just felt like shit all the time. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to like pay my bills and write a book. Cause I can barely function to work and do the things I need to do. Um, but it was just like manifested. Like it was there. I was like, I'm going to write a book and it's going to be amazing, but I just don't know what it's going to look like, what it's going to be about. Like I had no idea I was going to be vegan at the time. And, um, yeah, once I went plant-based, you know, it was, it was a hard journey to like switch over though, because all of my clients were not vegan. None of my family was vegan. <laughs> None of my friends are vegan. And I, one day I like my last endometriosis surgery was so awful that I was just like, I have to change. Like, I don't give a shit about societal norms. Like I need to change my life to save my life. Mm. And, um, me going vegan was like the best thing for my business. And then it was like, Two years later, not that long, a publishing company was like, Hey, we found you on a hashtag. We're what? obsessed with what you're doing. A hashtag. Literally. Oh like I just happened to hashtag the right picture on the right day. You know, you just like never know, you know, the, all those little things you're doing all the time on social media that you think mean nothing like people are watching. Oh, hey. 
This podcast episode is brought to you by BCN Supplements. BCN Supplements is a Texas-based company that produces and manufactures everything right here in the great United States of America. The good thing is BCN caters to every single person on the fitness spectrum, whether you're a seasoned hybrid athlete, kind of like myself, or you're a newbie just now starting to pay attention to your health, kind of like Mike. BCN has what you need to make a healthy choice. Lately, I've been using BCN's pre-workout mix, and to be honest, I'm not really a pre-workout guy because I don't like the way most on the market make you feel, you know, the crash and that tingly feeling, but you don't get any of that junk with BCN's pre-workout mix. I've noticed I had more focus during my lifts and more energy to carry through my longer workouts. And that pump you get is just, it's amazing. Drop what you're doing right now and go to bcnsubs.com to place your order today on this pre-workout mix. They got vitamins and they got collagen and be sure to use promo code CWJM to receive 10% off your next purchase. BCN Supplements, helping build a better you from the inside out. Was it a new post or was it like an old post? It was like a post about spring rolls. It was but, like a beautiful picture. But, but was it, it was like, like a recent post that they reached out to you on? Or was it something yeah. like a week ago that you posted or something? It was like two weeks ago I had posted it. It was clear that they had like seen it and then talked to their team and wow. then reached out to me. That's yeah. So, cool. and they reached out and they were like, we love your story. We love what you're doing. Um, and they offered me a book deal. And of course I, cause you know, when you go to traditionally write a book deal, you need to have like the first couple chapters written and you need to have a proposal and then you need to have a literary agent who can like, you know, I knew all these steps from working on the retreats in the past. And I just like had no energy to do any of that. And then like this got plopped in my lap and I was like, great. And I don't want anyone listening to think that like that's normal because it's not normal. Like usually it's a grind to get a book deal. Um, So I feel very blessed and very lucky. And like, I really feel like my manifestation powers were like really just like (laughs) really fully kicking in there. Um, And yeah, they offered the book deal after some intense negotiations and they like accepted my terms. We accepted it and they gave me three months to write the book from start to finish. I didn't even have the title, the concept, anything done because they just asked me and I was like, yeah, let's do it. So yeah, we basically grinded me and my husband and we took like every single photo in this book. We did like all the photos we did. We're not, I mean, we weren't professional food photographers, but now we are. Um, (laughs) We just like, you know, learned, we did everything in our house mid lockdown. It was like the hottest summer ever. We don't have air conditioning. We were like sweating, yelling at each other. My brother was living with us at the time. Like they were doing construction on our house. It was a shit show. (laughs) (laughs) I was writing our book was not this like glamorous, like cooking over like the water on a lake and like writing the book. It was like a, pure chaos for, you know, three to four months, but you've uh, got it done. You mentioned a couple of times, something that you were a disease that you had. What can you pronounce? Endometriosis. What is mm-hmm. that? And, and how do you know that you were diagnosed with that, I guess? Yeah. So one in 10 women deal with endometriosis and that is women that are diagnosed. So, so much of endometriosis gets undiagnosed and it's basically a disease that starts in your reproductive system. And it's like tissue that is similar to the endometrial layer that's on the inside of your uterus goes outside of your uterus. So it causes cysts, it causes fibroids, it causes like cysts to rupture, incredible pain. They found endometrial cells like on people's spinal cords, on their lungs. Mm. Um, And so basically it just causes like extreme pain, fatigue, like the craziest symptoms, which 
a lot of time doctors will be like, it's just a painful period. Like whatever, you're fine. Here's some birth control. Cause there's not a lot of research around it, but one in 10 women have it. And you know, it's really messed up how many women are going through this. And there's just like not that much research. And so for me, I, um, you know, I officially got diagnosed when I was in my twenties, but I had been dealing with it since I was 11. So I've basically been in chronic pain my most of my life. And I just thought it was normal because that's what I was told that it was normal. And I still have it. It's like something that is not curable, but I'm like on a mission to put it into remission. And Lord, I'm like so close. I can feel it. I'm on like a parasite cleanse right now. Cause now I've been doing research around like the connection to parasites and endometriosis. So it's just like, you know, when there's not a lot of research or when you go to, you know, specialists in the field and they don't know that much about it, you're like, okay, I'm going to be my own advocate and do all the craziest shit to like figure this out. That's really good. And, uh, yeah, parasites and stuff. Have you looked into like long-term fasts and things like that for? I'm I'm doing a four-month parasite cleanse right now, actually. Oh my gosh! <clears throat> what does that consist of? Yeah, so it's a mix of like a bunch of different supplements and binders, and um, no alcohol, no caffeine, no sugar, no gluten, and I'm already whole food plant-based. So it doesn't feel that restrictive. Like I'm still eating all the things that I like for the most part. The hardest part is like no tequila. Cause I love tequila <laughs> as you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. And it's just the supplements, but yeah, I've definitely like, I've definitely been releasing, I guess I'll say in the most proper way, parasites. Really? And it's crazy. And you, yeah. and you, and you pull them out. They're like, like long. Well, you don't like stuff. pull them out. But, no, okay, no, no, no. Like not in the toilet, but I heard they're like string, stringy things. And yeah. Stuff. So there's like a bunch of different kinds and throughout the different kinds, the different stages of the parasite cleanse, you like actually see them. And it's a little bit traumatizing because you're yeah. like, holy shit, I can't believe that was just like living and feeding in my body. And the most interesting part I've noticed is that I'm not as hungry as I used to be. Like I used to feel like I could just always just eat meat, meat. And I thought it was just like me and I loved food and I'm a chef, but like, I think it's all the parasites. Like they were like literally eating all my food, you know? And so I'm always feeling like I could eat meat, meat forever. And all my friends would be like, wow, your portions are so big. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm just always so hungry. And I'm like, oh my God, like I wasn't even eating the food, like the parasites were eating the food. So um, yeah, even after one month, <clears throat> yeah, it's tw- January 28th. So I started at the beginning of the year after one month, my body looks completely different. My skin looks different. I have so much more energy. I'm so much more clear. Like I'm less moody. Like it's just like crazy. And I used to live part-time in Mexico and I grew up like in the country. So it would just like make sense that I would have like parasites. Like <laughs> we all have parasites, you know, but um, some people it affects them differently, especially if they have like chronic illness or autoimmune disease. Is there like some, uh, I hear of like benzonite clay as being something that goes through like your GI and pulls that kind of stuff. Is that yeah. in the so, regimen too? Kind of. Yeah. So that's a binder is basically what that's called. Is it, it basically just like binds to different toxins and allows your body to expel them through your sweat. So there's like different detox pathways, which can be like through sleeping, through sweating, through pooping. So yeah, it's wild. It's like a whole, so it's like, there's like my 
beginning level, which was like going plant-based and getting rid of all toxic chemicals out of my house and like doing all those things and learning about that and like getting rid of the toxic load that my body's taking on from, you know, hormones that are in dairy, pesticides that are in non-organic vegetables, like all that stuff and like cholesterol that's in meat. And then taking all that out, taking out all the harsh chemicals and home products, taking out all the harsh chemicals that are in beauty products, hair products. Like if you think about all, all the chemicals that were like loaded down with on a daily basis, like it makes freaking sense why everyone is sick. Cause right. like, I mean, if you look at the height of the pandemic, everyone's bleaching their grocery their groceries before they're eating their groceries like <laughs> it's crazy yeah. like it's literally crazy funny. you know so yeah <laughs> so i have a feeling when people listen to this they're gonna be like i gotta get these parasites out of my body <laughs> so where can yeah. they find like this uh treatment you're on the four-month treatment you're on right now yeah so this is through a company called Cellcore, and it's uh, you need to have like a naturopathic doctor or a doctor's like code or recommendation to order it. So if you feel like you want to, and it, it also detoxifies mold and other pathogens too, because like mold is also like being exposed to mold is also a big problem for a lot of people. What I would do is talk to your doctor or go get a naturopathic doctor and ask them about Cellcore. Um because it's just like so intense that I wouldn't just like recommend anyone to do it unless you have like a really good reason to go this deep into a cleanse. So what was your, like, what were you consuming before? If you're vegan, it's mostly plant-based and I imagine your sugar consumption and, and carb consumption was, was kind of low. So what do you think was causing the inflammation and yeah. All that before. Well, I love carbs, by the way. I just want to say <laughs> that like carbs are great. We need carbs for energy. We need carbs for brain function. I think this like whole rhetoric going around that like carbs are bad for us is so damaging. And so like, I don't know, carbs are amazing. I love carbs. I used to fear carbs myself, but mm. like now I'm just like, I'm leaning in. I love pasta. I love all the things. Okay. What I was, I was going to ask, what's your definition of carbs? Cause it's kind of Crazy. So there's different, there's like complex carbs and then there's simple carbohydrates, right? So complex carbs always, of course, like I love a good sourdough bread. I try to stay away from it, but like complex carbs, like brown rice and quinoa and sweet potatoes and potatoes and that kind of thing, like whole grains is our complex carbs. And of course, like root vegetables, like fruit, fruit is so healthy for us. And then there's simple carbs, which is like donuts and refined flour and white rice and stuff. So we try to stay in the complex carbohydrate range because that's like where we're really going to get our energy, really good fiber, which is super necessary for gut health and like all the vitamins that come along with that. Yeah. So I have to, I have to ask you about that. Uh huh. What do you, what, like, what do you think, or what do you say to the, like the, proponents on the other side of the spectrum that that are thriving off of no carb diets or little to no carb diets they're not yeah. eating rice they're not eating vegetables i'm not even talking about carnivore i'm we can just use keto for example or, or portion or dirty keto what do you think about that because it's like the upper what you knew this is coming by the way <laughs> I, I love mean, it let's do it <laughs> yeah. so what's like what do you think's the difference well how come is it just because different people can thrive off different things? Oh, I think or? that keto, no, I think that keto is you're risking your long-term health for short-term gain. So people can feel great on keto diet, but like, it's not good for your heart. It's not good for your longevity. You're putting yourself at much higher risk for heart disease, type two diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, like 
short term, yeah, you can lose weight and have energy and there's evidence to back that up, but there's also evidence to back up the fact that like you're clogging your arteries if you're only eating high fat, high animal protein diets. It's, it, it's so confusing because there's arguments for, there's science <clears throat> and arguments for both sides, yeah. uh, you know, that high saturated diets are really good for your heart. Um, if you follow like Paul Saldino or Sean Baker, all those doctors around the carnivore diet, it's, 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 it's frustrating as someone who's not a doctor or not a nutritionist by no means am I that, but it's like, I read some stuff on veganism and then I'll read some stuff on Dr. Sean Baker. Who's like, you need saturated, like saturated fat is like above all really good for your heart. But cholesterol's not. Right. And if you look at saturated fat from animal sources and the amount of cholesterol that also goes with that, that's super damaging to your longevity. And for me, it's all about longevity. I would rather lose weight slower and live longer and be healthier long-term than lose weight quickly. And then 10 years from now have clogged arteries or have high blood pressure or any of the things that are get type two diabetes, any of the things that come along with that, you know, like, I just think you have to look at and something that, you know, and of course, like I, I interview like all of the top, like plant-based doctors on my podcast. So I like, I hear it from, and I ask them about keto all the time too. So, um, what was I going to say? A lot of times I'll hear like people love excuses to keep eating the things that are not good for them, you know? So, and of course, like, of course, keto is popular because it's just like Atkins with a different wrapping paper on it. And, Absolutely. you know, it's just people love people love to be validated to eat the things that they continue to eat. Right. And I think that when we look at like paleo or keto, like the thing that I think is good about it is it gets people away from processed food and it gets people away from, you know, eating things inside of a wrapper, candy bars, stuff like that. But when we also look at the other side of it, like the environment and like the demand for meat, like we literally can't keep up with the demand for meat. And these popular diets like keto and paleo and carnivore is like destroying our environment. Like we can't keep up with it. 60% of the grain that we grow in this country and around the world goes to feeding livestock. We could literally solve a lot of hunger issues and we could solve a lot of our supply issues if we just like cut out that middle, that middle source, which is the, like the beef and the, the pork And we just like directly ate the plants, right? But we're feeding it to them. We're giving them so much of our fresh water in order for them to live. And through that, we're also polluting our fresh water sources. Like half of our fresh water sources are completely polluted and totally fucked in the United States because of the agriculture industries. And it's not just animal agriculture. I will say that like spraying glyphosate on everything is also contaminating our water, but we really have to look at supply and demand and be like, okay, maybe keto is like temporarily great for me right now. And I'm feeling great. But like, in my personal opinion, it's a selfish way to live because we have to think about our kids and like what we're leaving behind. And it's so much more than just like the 10 pounds we're losing in this month. There's like so much more responsibility about what we're eating than just about us. And that's like the biggest thing that I've learned. I went vegan for me, but like for my own health, but I stay vegan 
And I stay plant-based and always a student, like I said, because I'm fucking nervous for what's going to happen in 20 years because like nobody's changing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, The factory farming is, is outrageous. I think we can all agree that Mm -hmm. that's, you know, we're, we're, we're fucked because there's too many people in the world too. Like we have to feed all these people, but it's almost like we have to meet in the middle somehow, I think, because I don't think if we get rid of farming or I, I think we absolutely should get rid of factory farming, but we can't, if you get rid of farming and cows, you can't just plow a bunch of fields and plant some wheat to feed everybody too. Like, cause then you're going to be destroying uh, a bunch of agriculture, a bunch of land to, to plant uh, plants and you're going to use plants to feed all these people. And I don't think that's sustainable either though. Well, I mean, but you can use like cows without having to eat them, right. Without having to slaughter them, you can use them to like fertilize the soil and be really great for the soil without having to use them for food. And that's like very true. And the reality is, is there are so many people and we can't keep up with meat production and 95% of all meat that's eaten comes from a factory farm, 95%. Mm -hmm. So as much as you want to be like, I try to buy, you know, grass raised or whatever, like pasture raised, like at the store, the reality is when you go eat a burger at a restaurant, that's a factory farm burger, you know, even if it says it's organic. So it's like, you have to make choices. And the problem is, is we're making excuses for our choices by saying like, Oh, but like I eat organic when I can, it doesn't matter. Organic is still factory farms. And like, of course the whole world's not going to go vegan. I don't expect that to happen, but I think it would be really nice for first world countries like ours to take a little bit of responsibility and stop taking like governments and our politicians to stop taking money from industries like the meat and dairy industry and actually look at it constructively and be like, what are we going to do to fix this super broken, horrible system? That's not only fucked up for its citizens because the number one killer of people in Western countries is heart disease, which is caused by high saturated fat, high cholesterol diets, but it's also killing the environment. And it's the most non-compassionate fucked up industry that we're just like, like, there's just like, no, there's just like, it makes no sense. Like, I just don't understand how it got this bad. And I'm just like, I get hyped. Sorry guys. <laughs> no, 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 man. <laughs> That's good stuff. I, I was, I still am. I'm like, that, that, everything you're saying, I'm like, all right. But, um, it's, it's even worse because uh, if we did decide to like go and plant all these vegetables, like the land's fucked from mm-hmm. monocropping and, and putting glyphosate all over, you know, the land. So basically you do need the, uh, the cows and the sheep, mm-hmm. you know, everything to uh, replenish the soil because the soils, yeah. you know, we don't know how fucked the soil is. You know, you can't, you can't pl- plant certain things on there because it's, it's dead basically all the way down. Um, I totally agree. But mm-hmm. Very yeah. good points. I knew he was going to get into that a little bit, but it's really good to debate to try to, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Figure I think out. It, I, think yeah. It's, I think it's great. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you too is what yeah. are your thoughts about having, um, you know, when you're cooking vegetables or plants that are designed to ward off um, other insects from biting them and stuff like that, they release some type of toxic chemicals um, to avoid being eaten versus um you know animals they have teeth they have legs to run away in and they have claws to to fight their prey or their you know the the things that are chasing them to eat them plants on the other hand they have chemicals and toxins that they release 
to ward off other birds and insects. So when you're cooking that and eating them, a lot of people say, such as Paul Saldino and Dr. Sean Baker and all the other guys, they say that you're eating these toxins that are really bad and they're bad for your heart. They're bad for your, your organs and your brain and all that stuff. So what is, I'm sure that's, that's talked about some on your podcast a little bit too. So what, what is your, your, your thoughts around that? I'm just going to take a deep breath. (laughs) So I'm new to this study and I was like, I, I'm, I go into everything with an open mind. So listening to like, so they say a plant, if like a giraffe was eating a nearby tree and the Mm -hmm. wind were blowing in in those plants direction, it would smell uh, a predator and then it would uh, change the chemistry uh, in, in itself to where the leaves would taste like shit. So it would void off the predator I've never heard this shit ever, but um, he's getting really into this carnivore stuff. But uh, have you heard of this at all? Like, it's... Okay. Okay. What about... I just... I'm going to come back with... I'm trying to think of how I'm going to respond to this. What about all of the animals that have been living on planet Earth off of plants for so long? Like, what about that? Uh, um, Animals have different guts and different intestines, and they... They process that a lot differently. Like we, we don't have carnivore teeth. Look at our teeth. These are not carnivore our, teeth. Our, our our teeth aren't aren't carnivores. They're omnivore teeth. Right, which means that we can process plants. Absolutely, we can eat okay. them. We, I think, uh, uh, from his history, we've we've evolved to be able to eat plants. But I also think that you know our primal days when we discovered fire that we were mostly eating meat. There was a study that there was a study that was done on barbarians and and uh, what do you call like the gladiators like those kind of days. They were showing that they compared the the gladiators versus a tribe that mostly ate omnivore. So they ate a, a mixture of the, the gladiators also ate omnivore but they also ate more meat. And they were showing that their bones were stronger and they're just, they looked healthier eating mm-hmm. more meat versus the other people that they studied. So, right. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to like bash. So vegan. no, 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 it's fine. I like this because I think it opens up conversation that's necessary. Do we want to have a lifespan of 35 years? Because that was their lifespan back then. Also, they don't, they didn't have availability to like go to the grocery store and like buy lentils, right? They could only grow the seeds of what they had, right? They, they only, it was such more limited availability. And I think that this argument of comparing ourselves to Neanderthals is ridiculous because they were also like, um, <laughs> what's the word? Or they ate each other. Well, they ate each other. Like, what is that word? Cannibal. Uh, cannibal. They were also cannibals. Yeah. Like when shit hit the fan, they would eat each other. Like I don't want to be like that. You like, know, I'd I want to be like peaceful living in. <laughs> you couldn't catch me, <laughs> I want to live in like a utopia of compassion, personally. And I think that when we have, when we have availability to literally anything that we want, yeah. especially in a first world country, why would we not choose that? Like when. We know that the science is there to live a healthy life, to live a happy life, to protect our environment and to live with compassion towards like other beings that are not just humans and other humans, because so many people are suffering from the standard American diet. Like, 
why would we not choose that? Like, I think that this argument of trying to be like Neanderthals, like I would never want to live like them. I would (laughs) never want to go hunt my own meat and like live in a carcass when it's cold outside and like live to be 35 and get like murdered by a different tribe. Like, I like my life. Like I like being healthy and like having availability to like heal my body and cook all this amazing different kinds of food. Like I don't want to go back to that. So I feel like we've, we've progressed so much since then. And this argument, like digressing back to that is like, it just feels irrelevant because it's just not who we are anymore. It's not human beings anymore. We have such a different way of like transporting food and a different way of cooking and a different understanding of each other. And like, you know, and of course the inner vegan in me is also like, what about animals? Like, what about them? Like, what about the fact that they experience pain and like go through such like pigs are killed in gas chambers. Like that is crazy. And people are obsessed with bacon, but it's like that bacon that got to your plate literally was from a cute ass little piglet that you have in your children's books, right. That you love. And then you put this piglet into a gas chamber and like horrifically kill this pig so that you can have bacon on your sandwich. Like it just makes no sense to me just for the argument that like, well, we used to eat meat when we were Neanderthals and like, that's, you know, how it's supposed to be. Like, I just, Oh man. So I think, so (laughs) you mentioned the 35 and I, I've read that the reason that they lived not as long as us is because they were getting chased by fucking animals and they were killing each other. But as far as like health issues, they virtually didn't have a whole lot of like, uh, inflammation and heart disease and things like that. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't have ailments, but like I said, most of the time those people were, were omnivores. They were eating, um, a plant, a mixture mixture of plant-based diets. If it was a fruit season and there was melons, they would eat that, that stuff too. Um, no, I think it's a good conversation to have. And the factory farming, that's that I can't say it enough. That's disgusting. But what are your thoughts about people who go and hunt their own food? Um, it's because that's a big difference, right? Like going to a gas chamber versus me going and making an ethical shot on the same pig, a wild pig and me cleaning it. And to me, that's sustainable versus, you know, a factory farm pig that's genetically modified to be bigger and to have more fat on it. What are your thoughts around, around hunting? I have so many different thoughts on hunting, actually. (laughs) Like I'm not as like crazy, like vegan passionate about it as I am about all the other things, but I would say like, okay, so my husband and I went to Hawaii, like this was right before we went vegan. I think it was literally like two weeks before we decided we were going to be like hardcore. Cause we were already pretty much plant-based, but you know, dabbling in fish and stuff. And we went horseback riding and this guy was like, this story is so ridiculous, but this guy was like, you know, we were in his van and we were driving down this like crazy cliff to go horseback riding. We were like, what is going on right now? Like, how do we get signed up for this? And we're like in the back of this van and this guy's like, yeah, like I live down here in this valley with my nine children and I go out there and I hunt these wild boar and these fuckers (laughs) are mean. And he was just like talking about like these boar and how he would like, like tackle them with his like three sons and like they would just the whole thing was just like so ridiculous. And Steve and I were sitting there like, 
these like baby vegans, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like have just watched all these documentaries and have done like all this research and are ready to like not eat meat. And Steve's like nudging me, like, don't tell him that you're vegan. Don't tell him <laughs> that you're vegan, you know? Um, so like, I don't know, like the guy hunts like a wild boar every two months and like keeps it underground and like it feeds his nine kids. Like, I don't know. What am I going to argue for that? But I think like for me personally, like I don't, especially when we have availability for so many other things, I don't think that it's our place to like take the life of something else when we don't need to, right? Like we don't need to take that life. That deer would much rather be like frolicking through the forest with its family than dead on your, on your kitchen table. So that's how I think of it. I think like it's not our place to decide whether or not an animal should live or die when it's not life or death. Right. Right. However, if you want to go kill your own meat and like, you're ethically fine with that and you can sleep with yourself at night, then like you do you, like, there's nothing I'm going to say that's going to stop you from doing that. But I have just become so like, I'm so much of an empath and I feel like I can really like, I would, you know, I would get into heavy debates when I first went vegan with hunters and with different people. And I would literally like lay on my floor of my bedroom and just cry for hours because I would also think about the fact that like, I used to butcher like a whole dead lamb when I was, you know, first in my culinary school. And I would just think about like how much I was contributing to another being suffering when I always thought of myself as being like a peaceful person. But like what I did for work was not peaceful. It was actually like very violent to butcher a whole animal is like a violent thing to do. So, and I know that people do it with respect and in ceremony and whatever, but I don't know. It just feels like I would rather the deer like be living with its family and like die naturally and whatever. And people of course have the argument of like, Oh, there's overpopulation and blah, blah, blah. But like, what is die naturally? Huh? And your, and your definition of die naturally uh, for a deer, what is that definition? Like from a mountain lion, like okay, you look at a difference from a mountain lion and a human being, a mountain lion's only source of food would be that right. A human being can go to the grocery store and buy like thousands of things to make food. So it's like I said, it's not life or death. It's not just survival. Like right. we are way past that point. And so I think that we have evolved in so many other ways. Like, why can't we evolve past this idea that we need to like kill something in order to feel satisfied for food? Yeah. That's a uh, fun. Your arguments are all the things that I throw at them. I'm like, we're in a world of abundance and, uh, and we can, we can eat whatever we want. But like, I try to, I try to, put myself in his shoes too. Like, I'm like, I don't know if I was starving and there was no availability for food anywhere. I don't know if my brain would switch on and be like, I need to kill this animal. It, it absolutely. What you would turn into a primal person. I just don't know. You don't know. Cause there's no. abundance of food. That's but. why I told him, I was like, I, I want to go out, you know, and then get completely st- starved and then, you know, see what I do, you know, con- in a controlled environment right. somewhat. Someone's going to come grab me if I fucking die or something. But <laughs> we talk about like, I want to know where my brain would go. You know, we talk about, yeah, like it the- probably would. I mean, people would eat each other. So like, I'm sure it would yeah. go into like a primal if you were starving, you know, <laughs> I'm sure. And like, you know, I think about that too. Like if there was nothing else and I was starving, like, yeah, I'd probably eat seafood. Like, I think that, you know, 
of course, but we love when we're in these debates to talk about these extravagant, probably never going to happen scenarios that have nothing to do with like our day-to-day life and like what's actually going on, you know? And I don't know. I just think that we, as people, we have more power than we think. We vote with our dollars every single day, every single time you buy food, every single time you make food, every single time you contribute to a certain industry, you're paying for that to continue. And I think that, you know, everyone says like, oh, it's just me. Like it doesn't matter, but everyone thinks that. And if everyone thought that their dollars mattered, we'd actually be able to make change and like pressure corporations into changing what they're doing. And one of the biggest industries that's causing like the most harm right now is like the fishing industry. Like it's just that's crazy. There's this uh, horrible <laughs> documentary. I forgot what it was called. I tried to reach out to the creator, but all the bycatch that occurs oh, yeah. whenever, uh, you know, they're going for tuna and they just, all these dolphins die. I don't forget. It's on Netflix. It's a really Seaspiracy? good. Seaspiracy? I think so. Yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. that. Where, is yeah. that where, is that where they're talking about the bycatch and they show it's- those fucked up videos of killing dolphins? horrible. Like it's, it's not just that either. Right. Because what happens is when you're killing all these predator fish, so like swordfish, tuna, salmon, um, sharks, people are killing sharks for food. Right. So when you're killing all these predator fish, you're getting this over, like you're getting all of the smaller fish and all the algae and you're just fucking up the whole ecosystem. Right. So you're killing all these predator fish. You're fucking up the ecosystem. There's that. And then there's also this thing called bottom trawling. So what they do is they basically just like release these these nets with these weights on the bottom and they tr- they bottom trawl and what they do what is this statistic it's like eight times more clearance than they do of the rainforest every single year for bottom trawling on the ocean so that's a lot of what's like killing the coral and that's what's getting turtles and dolphins and like all of these things that we like know and love but like every time you like order sushi you're also like paying to kill dolphins and, and also like birds, like, you know, natural birds that are like living above the ocean and flying around, they get caught up in the fishing nets too. So it's just like the most destructive industry. Like it's just tearing. And it's literally just like taking the life, literally taking the life out of our oceans. And it's scary because it's international waters, right? So there's not a lot of regulation that goes behind fishing and it's just like, Oh, it makes me nervous. Yeah. That the fishing, that's something I a hundred percent agree with you on. Um, but also, you know, the same thing happens whenever farmers are, are cropping their fields when they're crop. Um, so my, my family lives out in West Texas and there's a wheat field, mm-hmm. um, literally right next to it. And oh, yeah, you I forgot see, you guys are in Texas. <laughs> so you can see the tractors going and there's all these birds waiting around for them to clear a path. So when mm-hmm. they clear a path, there's all these bunnies, there's all these little squirrels, and that this combine is just literally decimating all these animals. You know, and that's the same thing. Not the same thing. No. They're not they're they're not catching animals, but they're there's a byproduct of producing this wheat for people. So I understand that. Yeah. I'm not there's, defending the fishing industry at all. <laughs> no, no, no. There's just like a couple different ways to look at that too. So when you look at, especially when we're growing wheat, right? Like commercial wheat is one of the most toxic crops that we can grow because of the amount of glyphosate that is sprayed on those crops. So the glyphosate alone kills more animals than I would say just clearing the land would. And it also kills more people because when you look at people who are living, like I had a client who lived next to a wheat field 
in Texas. And this woman had cancer eight times, Shit. eight times she had cancer and she ended up passing away from her cancer. And she like, couldn't figure it out. She's like drinking alkaline water and totally plant-based and like doing all these detoxes and then she'll get go into remission because she'll go into like she'll leave her house and go somewhere else and then she'll the cancer will leave her her body and then she'll go back home with her kids and then boom she has cancer again so you really have to think of like the environmental damage that these non-organic and of course like not anything's perfect and i think that's something that's also should also be said is like nothing's perfect human beings to survive are causing harm like yeah, it's yeah. just it's just part of it. But the thing is, is like, I would rather eat something like wheat that kills much less animal life than directly paying to kill an animal every single day. Right. And when you look at like the amount of life lost, it's much less when you're going for plant-based than if you're actually eating the animal itself. So you kind of just like have to make your choices and nothing's perfect, right? We can't argue that eating plant-based is never causing any harm because that's not true. But like, we have to choose the lesser of two evils and make the best choices that we can with the information that we have and be willing to just get a little bit uncomfortable, to get out of our routines, to try something new. And maybe going plant-based isn't your thing, but like, I bet you could eat plant-based three days a week and still have a great impact on what that does. You know, like eating plant-based for one day saves 1100 gallons of water in one day. Imagine if everybody did that twice a week, it would be like a much different impact that we would all have daily, like our daily impact on the environment and the world around us. So it all matters. Oh, yeah. right. That uh, you were talking about the spraying the glyph- uh, glyphosate. Um, the people that go in there to spray it are like fully tyvacked <laughs> up, you know, like <laughs> spraying it. I mean, and it, I, there's a lot of stories of it messing up people's uh, reproductive uh, organs, you know, being in the area. And all they have to do in, in some cases is like move away and then they'll start to get. Um, like p- there were some people that couldn't uh, have, have a baby and they just could not figure it out. They ended up moving out of the area and they started to, they, they had, you know, they had a baby, but they were getting tests done on markers mm-hmm. on, on their, uh, I think it was like as a man, a sperm count. Yeah. Like none. Damn. And so that's yeah, crazy. And so they, they realized he lived next to this area, moved away and a sperm count started to work its way up and they were able to have a baby, but Shit. it's like, it's, it's heavy, man. And I'm, I'm on your vibe. I want him to talk though. Cause I know, uh, I know. I love this healthy debate. Yeah, um, I think it needs to happen more. Most no, of the time, it's good. like most of the time, when you see people arguing on Instagram, it's just like, "Well, fuck you," and you're fucking wrong. I like having this this spiritual <sighs> debate because comment sections suck. <laughs> <laughs> what do you? Um, so, what do you say to? There's a a bunch of studies on vegan people who go vegan always revert back to. Um, it's yeah. like a, some crazy high percentage. I forget what it is, like 70 or 80% of people who go. Um, do you know who Tovar Sorelli is? No. I, I just ran into him. Um, I heard him on Dr. Paul Saldino's podcast. Um, he was vegan for 10 years and, you know, had all the beliefs of saving animals and all that good stuff. Love the ex-vegans coming out. Yeah. <laughs> and then so he came out and he, he has a, a book on, on, on hunting. He, he became a hunter. 
And that's what he, his thoughts of sustainability is. Radical lifestyle change there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, he <laughs> we've did. Heard he, a, we've heard a lot from these uh, uh, carnivore people. They're like, a, a lot of them are vegans. So yeah. they just put, put like polar opposite. They just switch. Why, why is that? Why is there such a large amount of percentage people that, or, or even maybe they might not switch, but they'll, they'll fuck around like um, someone I know or used to know. Right. To know. <laughs> you guys, but, we don't live in a vegan world. It's right. very hard to be vegan in a world that is constantly reminding you how hard it is to be vegan. And that's something I see with my clients all the time. Like being vegan in a world where no one fucking supports it is one of the most vulnerable things that you can do. And it's very radical for some fucking reason. It's looked at as very radical. Personally, I think that like continuing to kill animals and like do that is super radical. I think that's a radical lifestyle, but it's radical to ask someone at a restaurant when you're sitting down with a bunch of carnivores to be like, can you make me a vegan meal? Is like, oh, here she goes again, Bitch. ordering her, her vegetables. Bitch. Bitch, shut up. Like we're trying to eat our steaks. <laughs> like literally. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard, it's, you know, like when we first went, ve- when we first went vegan, like we couldn't have dinner with people because it's not like we were the people that were like, now we're kind of those people, but we weren't the people that were like, oh, we can't like eat when you guys are eating me. Like we were trying to be like, as like open and accepting as possible, but people would just like sit down and fucking grill us. Mm. Like it would be like this conversation, but not respectful and just mean, you know, grilling us while we're just trying to eat or while we're having beers with people. And it just got to be so awful to the point where like a lot of our old friends that we had before we were vegan, we barely hang out with because when we start drinking, they start to just be assholes to us. And I imagine that's what a lot of people go through. Or if someone who let's say has been vegan for 10 years has an idea of maybe not being vegan, they're going to find a million things out there that's going to support the argument for them not to be vegan. Because you also have to think of all the money that's in meat and dairy. Like there's so much fucking money behind that. There's like, if you think of the food pyramid, everything we've ever been taught about nutrition in school has been funded by the fucking meat and dairy industry. Like it's ingrained in our deep, deep, deep subconscious. And it's such an intense unlearning that we have to go through to eat plant-based that it's like, of course people fall off the wagon being vegan because there's nothing in our society that's supporting it. And now it's different because there's more resources. There's more people changing their minds. There's more chefs that are making vegan food incredible like myself, Absolutely. but you know, like it's hard, it's hard to be vegan. And there's everyone of course also knows their one friend, Sally, who went vegan and was super unhealthy, but like, didn't do it in a proper way. Wasn't balanced Didn't know enough about nutrition because like, we don't go through nutrition classes when we're younger. We don't understand, you know, how important like all of our different macros and micronutrients are like, we just don't get it. We, all we think is all we need is protein, but we don't understand the importance of fiber and vitamin C and calcium and where you can get iron, how, if you have an iron deficiency, what you can add to your food to have better absorption of iron. Like nobody knows this. Everyone just thinks that you get protein from animals and you can only get iron from red meat. And that's what people think. And it's like (laughs) not true, you know? So it's a deep unlearning. And of course, you know, there's always going to be people that tried vegan and it didn't work for them or they found a different way or got convinced by somebody else. But I don't know, man. 
Yeah. It's hard. It's hard out here. <laughs> it's so hard being a vegan or was being a vegan in Texas. It's like oh my God. everybody I work with hunts and they eat meat. And it's like, I'm like way different. So like, I think you live in LA. Is that right? San Diego. San Diego. So I, I imagine th there's a lot of options there and there's a lot of vegans right. there. So it's like, a lot it, of vegans, it feels yeah. pretty good. And then it's easy to stay on track. Um, but man, my, my worst regret, um, uh, ever because I used to argue, I used to, what you're saying is the things I used to say. And then it used to, mm -hmm. it got to be too much. Like I'd have to do, like, I'd have to defend myself all the time. And, um, I stopped wanting to say I was vegan. I want to eat vegan, but I didn't want to say it because every time I'd eat, I'm the topic of discussion. It's like, yeah, the protein questions, all this crap. And it just, can you eat fish? Yeah. And then sure, why can't you eat fish? Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> what's wrong with you? And it's like, we can't talk about anything else and yeah, you, and you lose friends, you lose friends over food because uh, I think I told y'all before I did, I did fruit for a while and that just, that I lost for like, we did, we never ate before together, you know, but then, we just weren't friends because we didn't eat like the same stuff. Although mm -hmm. we could sit down and we could eat uh, what we, you know, what we like together, mm -hmm. but it just, that, that doesn't seem to work. But well, and then everyone wonders why there's angry vegans. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, of course they're angry because they can't, like, there's multiple reasons. Like they're angry about the systems and why no one sees it the way that they do. And they're also like, they just like, can't exist in society without, constant just like bullying I from have, people you know i have to say that like I've, i i don't know a group of people more angry at meat eaters than than vegan or just the oh yeah the, it's just the opposite, opposite people yeah. it's frustrating man it I, is frustrating out the, here it's, it's the same like, thing though but but no like i see the other way too no i don't yeah. i don't know like if if uh, a famous person posts a picture of them killing an animal I don't like there's a there a bunch of people oh, you're an animal fucking killer blah 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 but if it's the other way person posting uh, a meal of I don't know you know a plant-based meal I don't know anyone that's gonna oh my go god you should come to my tiktok comments and check out all the fucking assholes there are <laughs> talking about my vegan food that's fucking crazy to me um, people are mean Mike Mike got <laughs> you read them all yeah, don't read them. Yeah, don't. unfortunately. Uh, don't read oh my them. God. The dairy industry got a hold of one of my anti-dairy videos and it was a rough couple of weeks. <laughs> Holy shit. That probably helped you out more though, huh? Yeah, it definitely boosted, but like it was a <laughs> rough I love couple it. weeks. <laughs> people would be like, wow, she's so stupid. I'm surprised she remembers to breathe. Like people are God. so mean, like Mike, crazy. Yeah. Mike got me on. I did vegan for 13 days and, and, okay. my, and mind you, I, I hunt, I, you know, wear cowboy jeans, all that cowboy shit in Texas, right? hundred percent Texas. And people thought I was fucking insane. Like with what's wrong with you? I would go to work and, and the people around I work with, like, so I can sympathize, sympathize with y'all and that people want to ask you weird questions. Like, well, you know, you, you need to go to the doctor, boy, you need to go get a burger when you go home. Like it's a different, it's, it's so new and different yeah. that, People, yeah, like you need a burger. Like, actually, I don't. Uh, <laughs> That's I, the last well, thing I, I need, actually. <laughs> I will say I felt pretty good. I, I I don't think I was doing it right, hundred yeah. percent. Um, I probably you should do it. You should do a month. What I would do if I were you, this is what I say to everyone who's skeptical: <laughs> get your blood work done before you do it, and then do a month of eating plant based, and not just like whatever plant based, like a balanced whole food plant-based diet where you're also taking a B12 supplement. I mean, everyone should take a B12 supplement, vegan or not do it for a month and then get your blood work after and see what happens. Uh -oh. So, so here's my promise I'll make to you. 
Uh oh, Chef Bay. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this. She's not gonna do the opposite. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not gonna tell her to do anything. But okay. I'm gonna make a promise. I'm I'm doing carnivore and um and fruit. So it's World Carnivore Month. I don't know if you're aware of that. But uh, <laughs> that's so stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> January. So dumb. January is World. No, it's World Car- January. World Carnivore Month. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Like, we're in an we're- environmental crisis. What the is, fuck is going on? Is January <laughs> vegan month too? Dude, it's it's been January forever. These stupid these carn. I'm sorry. I don't want to say stupid. <laughs> okay. All right. But these listen. carnivore people are driving me nuts. But it's okay. He's got. Oh, he's got to coexist. You might change him. Let's see what he has to say. Okay. Okay, so I'm gonna do this for for three months. Okay, your cholesterol is gonna be off the charts. I, I'm gonna take my uh, my blood. I got an appointment next week to check my blood because it's pretty much I'm I'm just starting now, but okay. I'm doing m- mostly meat that I've either hunted or we've raised. Not I've raised, but my family has raised personally. So we got our own cows, grass fed, grass finished, all that good stuff, and I'm gonna eat fruit. And then in three months, I'm going to be blogging about it and I'm going to check my blood and all that good stuff. If it's no tor- vegetables, no, only fruit like mangoes, bananas, some apples, not a whole lot of apples, but uh, and, and berries like blueberries and blackberries. I'm going to do that. And at the end of the three and months, just meat and just meat eggs. That sounds awful. It's I'm sorry. Actually really good. <laughs> even it's before I ate, even before good. I would be like. but if it's if it's bad if my markers are bad i'm gonna rethink this whole thing because what i think i think people can survive i i follow this uh vegan runner he's a he he runs he's an ultra marathon runner and uh yeah what's his name ah shit i forget his name i don't he has i think i know you're talking about he has Mm -hmm. a different he doesn't go by his name on instagram is it reeves no no tommy reeves is one of them but but anyway there's this other one and he thrives off running long distances. And I also follow this other guy, the low, I know what his name is. It's low carb runner. And mm-hmm. he does mostly meat, but like kind of like a keto diet, but it's like a clean keto diet. And he thrives off of it. I think there's our bodies. Everyone can, can thrive off of different diets. Like you might be thriving off a vegan diet. This other person might be thriving off of a car. What about diet. long, what about longevity? That's what I'm the most interested in. I'm the most interested in longevity, right? Like Uh I lost my grandparents early to like freaking type two diabetes, heart disease, cancer, all this shit. So what I'm the most interested in is longevity. I don't care who runs a faster marathon, whether you're vegan or carnivore. I want to know how long you live to fucking watch your grandkids grow up. So that's what I want to know. So my rebuttal to that is um, most of the studies like the game changers documentary, like Mm -hmm. The Game Changers documentary was promoting the plant-based diet, but what they mm-hmm. don't mention is that most of the studies that they were citing in that documentary were people that were mostly vegetarians. Like they're so that's vastly different because you can get eggs, and I'm not sure what else you can get on the vegetarian yeah, diet, but you but can get it's eggs and dairy. Yeah, you can do <laughs> eggs and dairy, but what like so most of the studies that I've that I've seen. Um, with high cholesterol and stuff, those studies are being produced with people that are, yeah, eating meat, but they're also consuming a lot of other shit like Cokes or fries or bread and all that other stuff. So they're, they're comparing people who eat meat, but they're also comparing people that eat meat with other shit though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but like, what's the main part of that meal? It's a burger. 
Yeah, but it's also processed bread and like the f- or fake bread, and then you're getting canola oil fries, and then you're getting a sugar. Yeah, I think drink. canola oil is absolute shit. Like any of these processed oils are absolute shit. They're so toxic for us. I totally agree. I think processed yeah. foods in general are just like fucking ridiculous. That like all these companies add canola oil when you don't even need to. Um, yeah, but again, we're talking about like big, big business. Yeah. We're talking about gangsters in suits. So like from a longevity perspective, um, I want to see a study done on someone eating, like someone do a study on, on Dr. Paul Saldino or Dr. Sean Baker, and they, they've been doing it for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. They just need healthy debate. You need an expert like yeah. Chef Bay. Chef and then, Bay. And, and, and then talk to this guy. We just need more debate to really narrow down these things. But the bad thing I with good. Oh, I was just going to say, I think, you know, as much as we want to debate science, as much as we want to have this like 90 year study with 40,000, 50,000 people, I think the most important thing to come back to, because our listeners are probably hella confused right now. <laughs> I think the most important thing to come back to is like, what's the most compassionate way that you can live your life? There's no study that needs to be done to show the most compassionate way to eat, the most nonviolent way to eat, and the most compassionate thing that you can do for the world around you, the environment, and for your family. And that's, there's no debate that needs to be had. I like it. I like it. Let's shift real quick as we, as we, as we move on to the end. (laughs) Um, So uh, while we're in Tulum, you were um, saying that uh, you used to... Oh, God, what was I saying? No, nothing bad, dude. You show a video? Uh, (laughs) Check out this video. Um, You were talking about y'all did a lot of uh, cooking classes in person, and then COVID kind of messed that up. But then y'all started uh, thriving on the online classes. So how's that going right now? Yeah, we've been like shifting around. It's been really interesting. The online online classes at first were like... Great. So we've probably taught 20,000 people online since COVID started, like live. So not including 20,000 followers. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. On Zoom. Yeah. So we've taught for big companies like Vans. We've taught for the YMCA. We've taught for just like huge corporations. Yeah. Um, Nestle. We did a vegan cooking class for Nestle. It was awesome. I was like, this is how we make change. Um, But anyway, so yeah, it was really great at first because everyone was just like really tired of being locked down. People are looking for interesting things to do. But what I've noticed is like a huge drop in attendance Um, the end of last year. I think everyone's kind of Zoom fatigued. Everyone's kind of over it. So we've kind of shifted focus a little bit. And now what we're doing, we used to do weekly classes. And now what we're doing is monthly master classes that are also paired with the cooking class that are virtual. We've had a great response for that. Um, last month we taught, um, a natural detox masterclass called release and revive. And that was all about like opening up your detox pathways, mainly because I'm doing that right now. So I was like, I'm so interested in all this. <laughs> I want to talk about it, but also talking about like our toxic load, how to detox our body. And the idea that like our bodies are constantly detoxing the idea that you need to do a juice cleanse or something to detox is just ridiculous because we are always detoxing. Our bodies are these amazingly smart healing machines that are constantly working and constantly moving and constantly on. And so is this idea that we can like support that detox system and also understand how much toxicity is in our daily life, understand our individual toxic loads. And then, um, 
and then kind of like change our lifestyles that we can detox and support our body. So that was our most recent one. Um, and I'm actually going to make all of our master classes available on our website for purchase. If yours are just like one that you want to do, but we have an online membership. So everything's included in the online membership. You get like all of our past classes. So every past class we've done. So there's like 50 classes in there, I think, um, inside the membership and just like lots of resources for people who want to, and it's not just, I also want to say, it's not just going vegan. Like there's so much more to it. It's like enjoying how to cook. It's enjoying how to, um, go to the grocery store, understanding how to meal plan, how to season food correctly. Like there's so many parts of cooking that people are afraid of. And what we're trying to do is just kind of like, demystify it and just show people that it's one of the most primal things that you can do for you and your family is to cook for your family. And you don't have to be a professional chef to make great food. And that's kind of the whole point of our membership. So, um, our next class is in February and we're doing it all around like self-love. And I always say that, you know, meal prepping is like sending little notes of self-love to yourself. Um, future love notes. Right. And so we're doing a whole like meal plan. I'm going to like break down how I do meal planning for everyone. And then we're going to make like a really indulgent meal because it's, you know, all about self-love. So that's that one. And then in March, we're doing a kitchen revival class, which is basically, we're going to clean out our kitchens all together. And we're going to talk about nutrition labels and processed food and just like clean it all out. So it's not just for vegans. It's for everybody, anyone who just wants to get healthier and think about food and just like be more connected to the food that they're eating and like the process of cooking that food. Yeah. Are y'all going to eventually shift to in-person? Is there a want from that from your audience or do you uh, like, it's amazing now with the social media, like you can just, you don't, you don't have to do in-person stuff, but I, but I imagine there's a little more intimacy um, with in-person I don't know. Like I used to do like retreats all over the world and I used to do a lot of in-person stuff, but like to be totally, totally transparent, there's just so much less money in it and it's so much more work. Oh wow. <laughs> like, you, you, were, you were like going shopping for all these materials to, to, to house many people at your oh. actual home. Right. So mm-hmm. y'all were chopping the same things and making the same meal. Right. Yeah. And I would do the same thing on retreats too, but then there's like a cleanup and then there's also a liability issue with that because people get sick from the food. Right. So it's like, there's so much more that goes into it than just doing virtual. And the other part about that is I have to charge a lot more and I make less and I don't touch as many people. So it's kind of like this weird, like, but I will say that for our book, we had a book launch party in August and it got sold out. There was like a four hour line for people to sign the books. Wow. And it was oh, like yeah. literally the best day ever. And it was just like, we had a live band and a vegan food truck. And it was just like such an amazing event. So I would love to throw like events like that, that kind of highlight like local vegan vendors or people that are doing cool things for the environment or like, I don't know, nonprofits, but I don't know about doing like in-person workshops. Like it just after the the book launch was so exhausting, I'm just kind of trying to do like do the easiest route possible to also like, I also want to help people. So the easiest route possible to help people that also pays the bills, you know? Yeah. It sounds like, yeah. Zoom has more reach. I mean, you're not going to get 20,000 people in a room. And if you do, it's going to you know, like cost you facility, you know, oh like, you know, the so much materials, stress. like it, it does sound better that way. So I wanted to ask you, um, 
because we, we were talking about your book. What what sets your book uh, uh, apart from, you know, vegan cookbooks were starting to come out. I, I can't mm-hmm. remember, like, there was a three-book line where they just like, kind of cuss in it a lot. Oh, it's that, uh, the book you Thought Kitchen. Thought Kitchen. kitchen. Yeah, the so I liked those book, the books a lot, and that was, like, different. But um, what is your book? Um, how does it set aside from all those vegan books that, that are out now? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that sets apart my food over everyone else's is like, I'm a classically professionally French trained chef. So like, I really pay attention to like layers of flavor and like how food is put together and also like accessibility and availability. And I really want people to feel like incredibly proud of the food that they're cooking and also feel like it's not breaking the bank and there's not a million steps to make it happen. But it's also something that's like gourmet and kind of bossy and you feel like really good about yourself when you make it. And I think that's what sets my book apart is just like the attention to detail on flavor and texture and colors and like making sure that you're getting all the nutrients you need and all the protein that you need. Um, but also having all that flavor. Cause it's so important. I mean, I have so many cookbooks and like I've cooked through some of them and they're not all that great. You know, there's though, maybe I'll have like five recipes out of a cookbook that I like, but this cookbook and I've heard this from people all over the world who have been cooking out of it that like they don't find a recipe that they don't like because it's just I put so and these are recipes that I've been literally making forever too so like I have a butter recipe in here that's like to die for <laughs> like all my dairy lovers if you're skeptical go get the cookbook and make the butter and then talk to me um <laughs> like I have dolce de leche popsicles right here oh that looks delicious. that are like those are good to pictures. die for Thank That's you. A really good picture. <laughs> that looks yeah. like that looks like a professional cookbook. Yeah. Oh, thanks. It is. And then uh, this is <laughs> this is the ultimate breakfast sandwich, which has like vegan bacon and eggs made out of mung beans and all the oh, things. That looks good. So it's bomb. Yeah, Dude, it's really good. You made it so, look good, and then you took a good picture. Yeah, I know. Killing well, that it. was like part of it. It was it was it was a hectic time. Or like my chili killies. <sighs> Favorite, favorite, favorite. There's Wait, mushroom carnitas on this one. It's chili killies. That looks delicious. Chili killies. Yeah, all the Mexican food. I have a whole chapter on vegan Mexican food. Does it like, bother the you? Flautas. Flautas are the oh, bomb. That looks pretty God. too. Say it again. Flautas. 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 Man, she sounds Mexican. Yeah. Flautas. Well, I used to live in Mexico part time. So. Does it bother you all the fake vegan meat food coming out that no. you can get? That doesn't bother you <laughs> no. at all? Can you hear me? I think it's a great, like I said before, being vegan in a non-vegan world is really hard. So I think fake vegan meat and sausages and whatever is coming out, I think it's giving people options to eat something that they're comfortable with, something that they feel safe eating. Um, that's not like eating a big old bowl of lentils if they've never had lentils before. So I think it's meeting people halfway and allowing there to be like a different option than just like rabbit food and a steak, you know oh, what I mean? Like good, it, we're combining yeah, the worlds. That kind of gets them a little bit closer. Like a, they don't have exactly. to make such a dramatic change yeah. to go to veganism. Do you see a kind exactly. of like a transition food for people to like get totally. into closer? Yeah. yeah. Or it's like, you know, if I'm at a restaurant, there's nothing to eat, but a beyond burger, like, yeah, I'm going to get the beyond burger, whatever. Like it's being able to be fluid and having options like this, allow restaurants that like, don't really know how to cook vegan to have options Although I think that chefs should just like get over themselves and make some decent plant-based options at restaurants. But like, 
that's for a different podcast, but like, (laughs) you know, like I think it's great options. And I, you know, I get so much flack. Like I have so many, like I have a shredded vegan meat made out of hibiscus flowers on my TikTok. And there were like hundreds of people commenting, like, I don't understand why vegans try to simulate meat when they hate it so much. And what people need to understand is like, I've never met a vegan that's vegan because they hate the taste of meat. They're vegan because of their health. They're vegan for the environment. They're vegan because they have compassion for animals. It's not because of like the actual flavor or like the actual thing inside the sandwich. It's because of like what it actually is before it's inside of a sandwich, right? And so we want to look at how we can like simulate flavors that we love, respect cultures, respect ways of seasoning and spicing things while also respecting our bodies and the environment. And we can do that by having meat alternatives that meet people where they're at. You know, we can't expect someone to go from zero to a hundred overnight because that's just not how we work. I love it, man. You've, um, so we're going to close out here. I know we're running over. We should get together and eat some steaks and you're, you're, uh, golly, you're, um, inspired me to, you know, tighten up and get back to it. Uh, everything you said, man, is, is, was my life for so many years. Thank you for doing that. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, uh, so going, moving forward, what are your, uh, what are your plans going forward? Do you think you're going to release another book? Um, what's the future for chef Bay, uh, going forward? What a, what a conversation. Yeah. Right after this, I have a meeting with a brand new PR agency that we're onboarding. So I'm so stoked about that. They're going to help us get in front of like millions of more people. So I'm really, really excited. And yeah, I think another book is definitely in the works. I actually have a proposal that I'm going to send to my publisher pretty soon. Although I just recovered from the last book launch. So like my husband's like, are we really doing this again? (laughs) But um, I'll give you guys a hint. It's based off of one of my viral TikTok series. And I think that we could write it really quickly and just make it happen. Um, so yeah, I think another book I'm really leaning into making more money and working less hard. I really see money as like a currency that you fall into rather than something you try to obtain. And so, yeah, I worked, I've been working my ass off for 11 years. I've been in business for 11 years and I'm really just trying to do less, make more, have more impact. And I don't have a plan. You know, everyone asks what my plan is. I don't know. I'm just kind of going with it. I'm creating content. I'm helping people that reach out that need help. And, um, yeah, hopefully this year, I really want to create a program that can help people do what I do, that can help people become content creators, that can help people create an online food business. Um, So I'm looking at that because I think I can do a lot of good, but I think if I can teach people to do what I do, I can do even more good. So so yeah, hopefully another book. I don't know. I want to travel. I'm like so sick of this COVID regulation stuff. So the second that things kind of chill out, I'm I'm going traveling, (laughs) going to Europe. (laughs) Dude, we, we, you know, you know, uh, Courtney and I are big travelers mm-hmm. too. So we saw yeah. that Europe is starting to open up. Well, England said that they're dropping a yeah. lot of restrictions and stuff. Denmark, so too. we're getting pretty excited because we were getting a little bored with domestic travel. But, you know, we have a lot of good states and, and stuff when we had opportunity to do some of that stuff when we normally put on the back burner. So yeah, um, the book, do you think there's going to be another cookbook or is this going to be more of like a memoir type of book or what do you, what cookbook. are you thinking? Well, there's a book. It's like somewhat memoir Like if you read the introduction, I tell, talk a lot about like my story and like my ethics and like my standpoint on things. Um, my next book will probably be a cook. I mean, yeah, it's going to be a cookbook. I love food photography. I love making recipes and I love the connection that people feel 
to me through making their recipes as well. Um, so yeah, it's definitely going to be a cookbook and I can't wait. I actually am excited about it. I got this idea two days ago and I think <laughs> I'm going to send the proposal tomorrow. I move quick. I'm like one of those people that like, I couldn't have a two-year book deal because I would get tired of the concept yeah. before it would even release. Yeah. I'm sure they love that you work quick too. Cause they want to, they want to get it out. I'm like, let's yeah. go. Yeah. I've got, I was like that in school too. Like I would study for a test on the way to school. <laughs> like yeah. That was it. There was no, like I, I couldn't drag it out for too long. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, that's it. But for now, cook, you'll go vegan. It's available everywhere. Books are sold in Canada, United States, the UK and Australia. Jeez. Awesome. And how, uh, how can they get involved in your classes on Zoom? Yeah, so just go to my website, um, www.chefbay.kitchen and click on the membership. It's called Cook Vibe Heal and or just reach out to me on Instagram and you can join our membership and have all the access to all of our past classes and all of our current classes as well. And that's only 48 bucks a month to get all of it. And IG is Chef Bay. At Chef underscore Bay. TikTok is at Chef underscore Bay. And we're now on YouTube as well, which is Chef Bay. Everything Chef Bay. Well, too yep. good. Um, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, Thanks, loved guys. It. Um, I had fun. If you can stick around, we're going to take a, a picture. Yeah, and sounds we'll good. And we'll be done. All right. Okay, cool. Awesome. Thank, you. Thank you. That was fun.